Stories connect us as humans. A well-told story can motivate and inspire us. Storytelling is the ultimate superpower. Be The Drop is a weekly podcast that investigates how to tell stories that engage. Join me, Amelia Veal, on our shared journey to become better storytellers. In episode 287, creator of The Bone Cage, Dr. Corinna De Niro explains how her immersive theatre piece gives audiences a glimpse into the thoughts, feelings, perceptions and turmoil women experience when living in an abusive relationship. Corinna talks about why she wove immersive technology with live theatre to enhance the impact of the story she shares. Domestic violence is a challenging topic and through her unique approach, Corinna aims to open the discussion, to give audiences an ability to lean in and consider the lived experiences of women locked in violent cycles. This is Corinna's version of Be The Drop. This interview contains content that some listeners may find triggering. If you or anyone you know needs counselling or support services for domestic violence, 1-800-RESPECT is accessible 24 hours a day. Are you starting a podcast? Narrative Marketing delivers a full range of podcast production and training options. Visit narrativemarketing.com.au or hit the link in the show notes for more details. Karina, thank you so much for joining me for our next episode of Be The Drop. Thank you, Amelia. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for yeah, having me. You've got lots of interesting elements to your story and I'm looking forward to sharing that and unpicking some of, some of that with our listeners. So to get us started and to let them know a little bit more about you, um, I've asked you to think about a story or a moment or a collection of moments that's got you to here. You know, we're talking this culmination, your current culmination in your show called Bone Cage. What, what is something that comes to mind when I ask that question? Bone Cage is about domestic violence and particularly around the issues women face when choosing to leave. And sometimes that means that they have to stay for a, a longer time than what they wanted to. And sometimes they have to think about their children when it's time to leave um, and how that might look. And sometimes it's about the safety of leaving because um, a lot of abuse happens after uh, the relationship has ended. What brought me to Bone Cage was a very unique story that began when I was in Paris in 2013. I was over there presenting at a conference and I was um, running workshops in another theatre uh, genre that I do called Commedia dell'arte. And um, while I was there, I was an audience member of Bone Cage. It absolutely took my breath away. Um, in that particular adaptation, it was about um, human trafficking and um, particularly young children. And I sat there completely engrossed in the performance, um, shocked at what I was watching and they had captivated me in a way that I'd never felt when I was an audience member before and I didn't know why and I didn't know how but I knew Bone Cage was going to come to Australia and I knew I would do it and I wasn't sure how I would do it but I knew that that was the play I needed to do 
And then if we fast forward to about 2016, I was leaving my own very traumatic relationship, struggling with very similar things and unsure of what to do and how I would leave. Bone Cage sort of re-entered my mind, not particularly at 2016 when I was going through that stuff, but probably a year later, I was looking for something that would sort of help in my own healing. And as a theatre maker and a performer, I wanted to do something creative in a way that sort of allowed me or gave me permission to speak about something that I could never speak about, um, but also speak about issues that other women face as well. And so I decided that I would um, adapt Bone Cage to suit um, an, an Australian climate and to talk about the struggles women face when leaving. And that's what led me to Bone Cage. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it, and it's really lots of powerful elements to that yeah. story. And it's never one thing, is it? No. Um, but what, what I think is so interesting about your adaptation of Bone Cage and what you're doing uh, with this research-informed performance mm. is, a, is bringing these really challenging conversations you know, mm. and delivering them in a way where you can put people in the audience that may have no lived experience, that may, you know, male and female, that can, you know, be on both sides of the gendered experience of domestic violence, um, or even if they haven't experienced themselves or just hearing the conversation around domestic mm. violence. And that's something that I find really interesting because I think we're at this point in society at the moment where we're wanting to have difficult conversations. We're trying to step into some of these places, you know, and we're seeing some incredible young women like Brittany and, and, and Grace having mm. forging forwards in some of these conversations that, you know, young women don't talk about or haven't yeah. or hadn't, you know, and then even conversations around vaccination or not, you know, mm -hmm. we're having some of these really polarised conversations but I think people are struggling with how do we do that, you yeah. know, because it can be confronting mm -hmm. and it can be challenging and domestic violence is, is definitely a hard yeah. and challenging conversation. So your version of bone cage is, is confronting. Like how do you do that and what has been that response from people when they're going through this style, you know, this version of immersive conversation? Hmm. Well, I think um, theatre is a great avenue to have these conversations because as an audience member, you can navigate a difficult conversation when it's set in a fictional landscape. So it kind of gives you permission to watch something and observe it or participate in it, but also feel a bit detached from it while you're going through the journey. And that helps when you're having these really, really hard conversations so as we know, theatre is a powerful tool for social change um, and through forum theatre or, you know, my, my show borders on, you know, theatre of cruelty as well, where we use lots of loud noises and shock value and, and things to really disturb the audience. But um, you also have that licence in a play that allows the audience member to go, that's okay, I'm safe because I'm sitting here watching a theatrical experience. I'm not actually living this experience. And then it's the discussion afterwards that helps contextualise what they've experienced. So an audience feels like they can participate in this conversation because they're not 
it's a different way to have the conversation. You know, we're showcasing something for them and they're absorbing it and that's the way the conversation starts. So um, it's been met with some really fascinating uh, responses. Really great, actually. I've had a lot of people say to me that, you know, it's, it's the conversation we needed to have. Um, it really sets the tone for exploring the really um, contradictory um, choices that women women make so you know um one minute the, the main character is planning to leave but the next minute she's deciding to stay and then she's given an opportunity to go again but nope something holds her back and she stays and that's really like um based on lived experience and it's very research informed and and a lot of statistics um lead to that sort of choice that we've made so the audience really like um aside from having their jaws dropped to the floor and coming out of this 35-minute theatrical experience thinking they'd been there for two hours, um, have really thought that this is a great step forward and um, have embraced it and wanted wanted us to do more and take it to more places. So that's been really good, yeah. Obviously COVID has <laughs> impacted your fringe um, performance schedule, but you're live streaming it to high school students as well. So will that yes. be the first time showing it with high school students or have you engaged with a younger audience already? This is the first time it's going to high school students. So it's year 10s, 11s and 12s. Um, but we did a lot of shows with their teachers prior to make sure that would this content be suitable? How does this link in with the curriculum? Is this a message that we want our, our um, 10s, 11s and 12s having? And to my surprise, actually, because when I decided to do Bone Cage, I wasn't thinking about school curriculum. I wanted, for me, it was the message. I wanted to get the message out there. Wonderfully, uh, these issues are being discussed at the senior school level. Certainly wasn't my experience when I was in senior school, but, you know, male toxic culture, domestic violence, gender inequality, the, these are issues that Consent. are being explored. Yeah. Consent, you know, these are issues being explored. And um, the media, what's happening in the media is, is, is fueling some of these conversations as well. So remarkably, Bone Cage fitted in, which was, which was great because... I really think we need to be getting the message out to our future leaders, our future husbands, wives, couples, relationships, <laughs> however that may form, because this is a really entrenched issue we've got in our society and we have to be okay with having these conversations. A hundred percent. And for me, mm. I think that's so exciting. I, I'm the mother of two boys. My youngest boy has just started high, my eldest, sorry, has just started high school. And, you know, I, these are the conversations I want him to have. And I have some versions of that. I mean, he's 12. Mm. So obviously I age range my conversation, but mm. for me to include in curriculum, particularly as they're getting up into that 15, mm. 16, 17, yeah. and so many hormones are going yeah. on and their decision-making choices may, you know, be challenged by the fact that teenagers can be quite narrow, um, self-focused, you know, not always, mm. but <laughs> that can happen. Um, and so giving them this information, including it in the curriculum, and as you say, it yeah. wasn't my high school experience, no. much, you know, and so I think is so powerful if we want to change this story, you That's know, right. if we want to change the reality so that mm. it could be more story and less reality. Yeah. This is where yeah. I think 
we need to have these conversations. That's right. And witnessing something like bone cage really helps with the prevention is better than cure mentality because this is really highlighting the real stark reality of what it's like for the victim. And now in, in this case, bone cage, it's between a man and a woman, but it doesn't mean that it's not between two women or it can't be between two men or, you know, the, the woman could be the perpetrator and the male could be the victim. It's all very interchangeable. We're doing it this way because statistically more women are victims of domestic violence than men. And we do know that we need to do more to have men engaged in these conversations. So White Ribbon Australia promote that as well. And in, our, in all of our research, there's a lot um, around the education of young men to help them understand these particular situations. So that's another reason why Bone Cage is set the way it's set. Um, but for us, from a school's perspective, you know, just to have students from all across the curriculum. So the, the, the show locks into 14 different courses in the SACE curriculum. So you can see the show through any lens that you're coming, no matter what course you're in. But the point is, is that you are seeing something that we know statistically you've either experienced it yourself, either you've seen it happen um, from your parents, your, your parents are struggling with this, or someone close to you is struggling with this, or you've now been witnessing it like through the media, there's been a lot of cases of it. So it's a conversation that these young, these students, I shouldn't call them young, these, these young adults um, really need to start being able to engage in and know what to do when they, they um, see this in real life and, and how to intervene and what's, what's the best strategies, yeah. So when I first, wanted to do bone cage um there, there was a conference coming up um about uh violence towards women and i thought okay that might be the right place to test this show so i submitted um a conference paper and an article and a performance as well and it was my way to sort of test the waters because i I thought, well, the audience is probably a safe audience. Everyone there is, you know, to discuss violence against women. So why not have this performance? So that, that was good. And the feedback was very comforting afterwards. I thought, okay, but really I need to get this to an audience of people that aren't going to be comfortable <laughs> with this. So what do I do next? You know, <laughs> um, And then, you know, uh, after auditioning, you know, a fabulous cast and, um, you know, putting together um, a team that could really extend the idea that I had about how do we showcase domestic violence in a way that is confronting but isn't confronting. It puts places people in the show, but they're still an audience member. Like there were so many layers and I needed to think of a very unique way to do the show and I wanted it in the round and there was going to be all these other cages that people would sit in and all these things that were going on in my mind. I was like, okay, need a good team. Um, but where, where does this go next? So uh, after the conference, I was like, okay, expand my network a little bit. And that's when I, I started doing some test shows with teachers, colleagues of mine in the acting industry, some creative researchers that I know, and just, you know, some, some, some members of the public more broadly 
I said, okay, yeah, that was going really good. And then I brought in some um, um, people who are in psychology and mental health and society and justice and who are researchers in that area. So it was really now like this will be our first run to the general public um, and that will help us um, understand what the wider audience think, you know. Um, and then from there, we're going to target it for certain uh, certain groups, yeah, certain organisations. Mm. And yeah. so then what, like, you know, there's lots of steps to take and challenges yeah. to overcome at each step. What yeah. has been, you know, the greatest thing? Is it tools or a group? Like how, how do you keep going through those challenges? What helps yeah. you or who helps you? It's both hard and comforting, like the theme. Like it's, it's a it's a very hard show to be rehearsing and, you know, mm. I've got actors who have to play really challenging characters, you know. One woman has to spend the 30 minutes inside a cage and portray this woman who's, you know, in a really horrible position in her life and that's challenging but it's also equally so rewarding to do um, because they give me insight to the characters that I hadn't thought of you know or there's these little aha moments that happen in rehearsals that you know you go oh you know just that one look or you know the, the pace that sometimes we really slow down the show and and then we find that saying nothing is really saying everything and 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 even though like the rehearsals are hard they're so rewarding so I guess the theme is probably the hardest thing to keep coming back to because I wish I never had to do a show about domestic violence. You know, I've got two daughters and, you know, I hope that they don't even have to know what it is one day. But because of my own lived experience, because of the lived experiences of some of the people who are form part of the cast and crew um, and the other researchers, and then what we've collated through going to various organisations and, and doing our own research, that's the hardest thing, this conversation. And I know it's challenging the rehearsal, but, God, I can't wait until it gets out there and people see it and go, that's the conversation we needed to have, you know? Mm -hmm. so, and, you know, you mentioned at the beginning it was part of a healing process for you. Yeah. Revisiting that conversation, is it healing or is it pulling back the wound? Like how does that work? Is it to pull it back to step it forward? <laughs> oh, not anymore. I mean, you know, like when I first did it, yeah, I really like I found it very cathartic and very healing to, to do it earlier on. But now it's not my voice. It's the voice of so many other women and I feel like I'm having a pay it forward mentality now. So mm -hmm. this, this is a show for, it was never about me. It was always about, you know, having a platform to speak up, you know, and while I felt that I was so silenced and I couldn't say the things that I felt I needed to say, this was my way of being able to say something at least. So, and I hope this show is that for so many women as well. Mm. And it, mm. that is in, so incredibly powerful in itself. Mm. Thank you. Thank oh. <laughs> you. You know, yeah. Uh, on behalf of us as a community, we need voices. We need yeah. people to have the difficult conversations. Mm. Like I'm, I'm genuinely appreciative. So, oh. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you also mentioned 
immersive technology. I'm interested yeah. in that. So you, you've really got a different approach to theatre and performance and storytelling. So yeah. you, but you wanted to use technology. Why? Because surely that makes it a bit more challenging. But also what is Sure. I mean, you know, like immersive tech is really like crazy at the moment. Like everyone's gaming and buzzfeeding and TikToking and VR and AR and it's so it's so exciting and so full on. And I and as a theatre maker, I was really concerned, oh we're gonna lose we're gonna lose our audience, you know, to screens. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I want my audience, you know, I don't want them to just be watching TV or game, play games. It was a live stage show and one audience member got to play the one of the characters on stage, but in a VR headset. And they didn't have to go up on stage, but they were digitally on stage because once they put their VR headset on, there they were on the stage and all the actors were next to them and it was all happening live. And the audience came in and they watched this live stage show. They saw an audience member all mic'd up wearing a VR headset. And then when they looked to the stage, they saw a VR camera dressed in a character and being wheeled around by all the other actors. And this was a, a, a unique version of The Wizard of Oz where the audience member got to be Dorothy. So then when Bone Cage came, I was like, well, what's powerful about Bone Cage? You know, the story. And being a being not just a um, a passive observer, but more like an active member of the play. And I was like, well, you know, we're talking about DV here. We can't have audience members on stage. We can't have them sitting in the cage. You know, this isn't going to work. And so I went back to immersive tech, and I thought, well, the theatre world is so immersive. Immersive tech puts you in a fi fictional landscape. What happens if the two worlds collide and come together? You know. <laughs> What could we do? And I discovered that I could recreate moments in the show for the audience using 3D sound and virtual lighting and LED sonography and really take them on this powerful journey that you can't create in the theatre normally. So for me, it's another layer of enhancing the audience experience. Mm. And in this particular show, it's really putting them on the edge of their seat and it's a really uncomfortable position to be in you know you're teetering it's like you're teetering on the edge of a cliff you know and you're you know you're not sure if you're going to jump or not you know <laughs> and and the, the immersive tech really pushes you to a point where you're like this is you know this is so great and so confronting and so hard and so amazing and so challenging and so rewarding on so many levels and yeah, the two worlds just make make that happen for me. And so I've just embraced it to go. Mm, I love that. It. And so you so you're really heightening the senses with the yeah. sound and the lighting. So you're yeah. really making everyone's senses yeah. fire, which is yeah. you know very engaging. It's a show mm. where you can be on your phone at the same time. How awesome is that? <laughs> yeah. A really clever way to approach yeah. challenging conversations. I think one of the best feedback we got on the tech was um, an audience member in, in one of the testing scenes, um, one of the testing shows said, it's the perfect blend between high tech, low tech and no tech. And I thought, mm -hmm. okay, we've nailed it, you know, because it's not one of those shows where it's just, it's not tech heavy for the sake to be showy. We're not like showing off all of this like bang, dang good technology and like, look at us, look at us. It's really there. Every element of the tech is there to enhance that experience. 
and to really heighten a particular moment. So it's used very strategically. So that's what makes it really like a heart-wrenching performance because all of that tech just brings in another layer that you can't possibly get any closer to the experience unless you were in it yourself. So, and that's what we're going for. Yeah. 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 Mm. Well, Karina, mm. thank you so much for sharing and, you know, giving us this insight. And I hope that many, many people come and see the show so and participate in the, the different iterations of the show mm. so that we can thank have you. this challenging conversation. In conclusion, though, I'm really interested. I ask people for their be the drop tip. So be the drop um, name is based on the saying that I like, which is a waterfall begins with one drop. You know, mm. and you're very much looking to create a waterfall of change in this domestic violence space. So what would be your advice then? What's your be the drop top tip of how to communicate, how to tell your story, how to bring people along to share in it, to motivate and inspire them to be part of a story? What do you think is the key thing to being the drop? When it comes to theatre, my be the drop tip would be to be curious about the world and ask questions that not only you want the answer to, that you, but you think the whole world needs to know the answer to. And when it comes to those difficult conversations about DV, it's about having an open heart and an open mind. Just listening to a person's story is the first step to having that difficult conversation and activating change. Mm, fantastic thank you so much thanks for joining me for another episode of be the drop don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes be the drop is produced by narrative marketing where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world to unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. This is a Narrative Network podcast.